heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. You are Locked On Raptors, your daily Toronto Raptors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 178 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, July 19th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, at WoodleySean, and the show is on Twitter as well, at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode. Locked On Raptors is also part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which shows team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, as well as Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd and Locked On NBA with David Locke, and those are all together on the Locked On NBA iTunes channel. A great resource for all of your off-season reaction and analysis. It's a, it's an endless stream of content for you to check out, so make sure you do it. Uh, our show as well, Locked On Raptors, is on iTunes. You can leave a rating or a review on the iTunes page. Uh, just uh, it's, it's really easy. It takes no time at all. It's no money to do it, uh, and I really do appreciate it. It helps to move us up the rankings, helps to boost our visibility, and uh, helps to expand the listenership. So please do that if you have the time. And I, uh, I appreciate anyone who's done it before and anyone who will do it in the, in the, in the future. So uh, please do that. On today's show, I'm in a bad mood. It's really hot in Toronto. It's like 37 degrees with the uh, with the humidity, and it's sunny, and I was outside working all day, and I just feel like death. Um, so yeah, to, to, to talk about that, in the mood of me for today, I have John Godis from Raptors HQ on to talk about Damari Carroll and his comments to the media, the New York Post, to TSN Radio last week, uh, just about you know the Raptors' situation and the lack of trust and the style of play. All that, you know, really annoying stuff that was debated hotly on Raptors Twitter today. Uh, so we talked about Damari Carroll, like our thoughts on his comments, our thoughts on Masai Ujiri's comments as well. Uh, and then we got a little bit into just sort of the Raptors style of play, whether or not we think it's going to change at all. We talked about how to kill the offseason because, man, it's three months until basketball starts. I'm still going to be here, and I have a bunch of guests that I'm working to line up for you, and I'm hoping they're going to sort of be nice off-the-beaten-path guests that can keep the offseason interesting, but... Uh, stay tuned for that, but for now, we'll talk about Damari Carroll, and we'll talk about the offense, and we'll talk about how to kill this, the time, and how terrible summer is. Uh, summer is so bad! I talked about this in the Mailbag podcast, and how much I hate summer and hate cottages. I'm just a curmudgeon, man. It's too hot, it's too sticky, I just, I'm always just feeling like crap. I feel like dehydrated right now, even though I've drank water all day long. Um, it's terrible. It's uncomfortably disgusting outside. Um, so before we get to the conversation, the really uplifting conversation about Damari Carroll, uh, I want to tell you about our sponsor for today, and that, of course, is SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show that you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along, and they've created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or concert. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and I'm just using it today. Uh, I got a friend, a couple friends coming in from Edmonton who want to go to the Jays game next Friday, and we bought tickets today for like 10 bucks each. Uh, seven of us are all going, and it's going to be a great time, and we got our tickets with SeatGeek because SeatGeek is super convenient and easy. Everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. They do all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. SeatGeek does all the work and you save time and money. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck too. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. It's so easy. Green dots are good deals. Red dots are bad deals. For any venue you could possibly think of, there's a seating map with said dots. Click on the green, de- green dots and you're going to get good deals and it's great. 
Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. All you got to do to get that rebate is download the SeatGeek app. It's free in whatever app store you use. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter the promo code LONBA. That's LONBA as in locked on NBA. And SeatGeek will send you 20 bucks after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LONBA today. Okay, now let's get to the conversation with John Godis. Thanks for listening today. We'll be back again, I think, on Friday, uh, maybe Thursday, depending on how my schedule works out, but we'll see. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll get through this offseason together, man, I promise. And hopefully the weather gets better sooner so I can stop being so crusty all the time. But it's not good right now, man. I'm in a bad spot. Uh, Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you later this week. Have a good one. All right, joining me now on Locked On Raptors to talk about the ongoing Damari Carroll saga uh, from Raptors HQ, from the University of Manitoba's Twitter accounts, it's uh, John Godis. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I think it's your first appearance on this show, which is kind of crazy considering we do the weekly or bi-weekly or bi-monthly Raptors HQ podcast together all the time. Yeah, this is uh, first on the Locked On Network, I feel privileged. Well... You're, it's with me, so it's not that big an honor. Um, so yeah, I wanted to have you on today to get, just sort of talk about the the scuttlebutt that was going around Raptors Twitter today. I hate off-season Raptors Twitter. I I know the people who occupy it listen to this show, and I appreciate you all very, very much. But uh, the, like, I feel like it's kind of the same talking points that just get recycled day by day. There's like one per day each week, and then it's just kind of refresh on Monday and go back at talking about Jonas Valanciunas or Patrick Patterson. Um, so yeah, we're at this point now where... Damari Carroll made some comments, or some additional comments to what he made last week, so they're dub- he's doubling down on it, and Masai Ujiri made some comments, and that is an entire day of discourse for the Toronto Raptors in the offseason, and I hate it. So I figured we could just milk it out of this podcast, and I won't talk about it again. Um, John, I-, I don't know. What do you make? I guess I can, for the, for the listeners, I can read out some of the quotes here. Uh, first of all, yesterday, I guess it was Masai Ujiri went on TSN 1050, went on Overdrive with Brian Hayes and sort of talked about uh, Carol's comments from last week about the lack of trust in the locker room. And here's some passages from that. Uh, Quote, maybe there wasn't more trust on him. I feel that. Just like I said in my press conference in a working place, you're going to have ups and downs. It doesn't matter where you go. Uh, Dot, 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 dot. There are so many things that come up in working situations where we are, and you have to weather them through. Uh, this is really bad reading. I was always the worst at oral reading. Uh, quote, the year before last year, we had a successful season and Damari only played 42 games. We went to the Eastern Conference Finals, so we can pinpoint different things. That's some shade. Um, and going on down, quote, honestly, I take it with a grain of salt. I don't know what we were not good. I don't know that we were not good to him. I think the organization was really good to Damari and those issues that you have inside, honestly, as a general manager of the team, I don't see any major, major issues I can pinpoint. Yes, we need to think about some of the things we don't do very well, but I don't think there are any issues here that are detrimental to the team. Uh, and going on from there, he was asked uh, about Damari pointing fingers as he went out of the door, and he kind of just swept it off. He said, "Did he? Uh, the best way I can put it is that the expectations were on both sides. Did he meet ours? It's questionable. Did we meet his? It's questionable. And I say sometimes the best way to do this is be happy with your next environment and try to go make it work and be thankful for the one you just left. That's how I would approach it. So some shade there. Uh, before we get to Damari Carroll's comments, what did you make of Masai's sort of very shade-laced comments yesterday on TSN Radio? Yeah, I mean, he had to address it in some fashion, I think. So it was good that he came out uh, somewhat aggressive, I think, on the subject. So 
Uh, that was good to see. It's good that he's holding the party line on that front. And uh, I think he shares the opinion of a lot of uh, sane Raptors fans out there, which is that uh, if there's anybody who's in a position to talk, I think that Demario Carroll is not one of those people. Uh, and this is something we covered on the HQ podcast uh, last week. But uh, just to reiterate, I think that it's out of turn for Demario to be you know, speaking on this, uh, on displeasure with the team. Um, it, it started from a place of truth, I think, with talking about like the isolation and how the team plays isolation too much. But it, it's denigrated a little bit with the locker room and him talking about how the locker room wasn't great and how there was some divide and style of play. And uh, apparently that's been overblown. So I think, you know, assuming that Masai Ujiri knows what's going on and he's telling the truth, I think this is probably him holding the party line and, you know, letting people know that that's not necessarily the case with, you know, the Raptors in general. And I think that, uh, you know, the team seems, you know, out there not to be uh, broken or splintered in any way. And, you know, Demari Carroll just seems to be an outlier in that case. So... Uh, I, I'm sure people can take his comments with a huge grain of salt. Yeah, that's uh, that's fair. I, I, I sort of go back and forth on this because, like, I don't mind Damari like speaking on his way out. Like, I'd rather athletes be honest about their situations and like to just pr- assume that a team just because they're a winning team is just sunshine and roses all the time. Like, I think that's probably incorrect to do. And there, you know, I think there were definitely some. I think the culture reset stuff was said at the end of the season because there were definitely some things going on within the team as the season came to a close. Whether or not Damari Carroll's part of that, who knows? Um, but I, I don't know. I kind of go back and forth on it because as much as I think it, it kind of is, you know, for him to double down on it with the New York Post thing today, uh, like that is sort of weird that he would double down on it and sort of you know, reiterate his comments and say that he's a better fit with the Nets than he was with the Raptors and that he's looking forward to getting back to sort of the, the, the ball movement that he had in Atlanta. And he says the Nets, you know, sort of fit his style more. I mean, the Raptors could have fit him more if he was healthy. Like it kind of goes two ways. Um, but I also kind of find it a little bit funny that he's sort of denigrating the Raptors' style of play, and people are just freaking out at Damari Carroll and, like, tweeting terrible shit at him, and, you know, just, I don't know, they seem to be really sort of reacting and very defensive to what Damari Carroll's saying, when this is the stuff that Raptors fans have been saying for the last, like, four years, that the offense is too stagnant and is too ISO-heavy and it's not, you know, ball movement heavy enough, like... This has been the complaint by Raptors fans forever. So I kind of, I mean, as much as it's understandable that they'd be, you know, sort of lashing out against Carroll, it is kind of funny that, you know, his criticisms were the exact same ones you read during any Raptors game, like game six against the Bucks. This was what was happening. People were complaining about how the team plays. So I don't know. It's it's kind of a weird thing for Raptors fans to be this bad of shape out of. Over. Yeah. Again, I think it's just the messenger. I think that people are taking it on face value as from somebody who didn't play for long stretches and played poorly in the stretch that he did play uh, for the Raptors for the most part. And uh, he's not the person to be talking about and being critical of the team, I think. Just, you know, if it was somebody like Corey Joseph, who was a good soldier for the team, or even Patrick Patterson, who was, you know, a little bit uh, bent out of shape when he left. But, you know, I think it would be better heard and, and fallen on more... Uh, listening ears if it was coming from those guys who had, were a big part for a long time of the team and it's hard to take it from Carroll you know because he was out for God knows how many games the first season and didn't really contribute to his potential in the second season I guess I just uh, I, I go back and forth like I said like I, 
Damari Carroll's a really good dude, and I don't, like, think less of him because he decided to say this going out. Like, yes, it's sort of a weird look, but, like, we're probably going to forget about this at some point. And I understand, you know, coming from that Hawks team that everyone loved, like, I understand why he might be sort of, you know, miffed that they maybe didn't change the style of play. But at the same time, he's not the kind of guy you change your style of play for. He's, like, a very good no. role player at his very at his peak. And, like, the team is not going to alter their entire offensive system, which has worked really well for the last four years around a guy like Damari Carroll. And maybe that didn't maximize him. Maybe there's some fault on the Raptors for that. Uh, but I, I don't know. If you were to design an offense for the Raptors that was more suited to what Damari Carroll does well, who knows if that's taking away from DeMar DeRozan or Kyle Lowry's effectiveness. I feel like Lowry would be fine anyway if it was a more of a ball movement offense. But, like, DeRozan is really good because the, off- the Raptors run this kind of offense, and he's excellent in it sort of plays to, extra- plays to his strengths. And I, I don't know. I-, I go back and forth. I feel like the vitriol is a little insane. Like, someone, you know, tweeted at me just, like, F. Carroll today and, like, a picture of, you know, Damari Carroll having blocked him. So, obviously, he said something to him that required Damari Carroll to block him. And it's like, I don't have time for that stuff. Like, Damari's still a good dude. He's a charitable guy. He has been through a lot in his life. Like, just because he's saying this stuff on the way out, I don't think it means that everyone should just turn on the guy and just make him public enemy number one. But, I don't know, maybe you have a different opinion. No, I, I, I differ from you a little bit, but I think that generally you're right that it's going to be a, a smaller deal when the season starts. Uh, but this adds a little bit of spice to what are normally pretty boring games for a season against Brooklyn. So uh, <laughs> that's something, I guess. Hey, the Raptors have had some bangers against Brooklyn. Um, I can't remember any of them. I guess Patrick Patterson Not had a game winner against them a couple years ago. That was cool. Yeah, it was like three years ago, though. I yeah. mean, they've been they've only been really bad, really, really bad for the last two years. So Corey Joseph uh, dropped like thirty five against them this year when Kyle Lowry sat. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I guess Kyle Lowry sitting kind of speaks to how meaningless those games were. So yeah, it'll be fun. I don't like I don't see Demari Carroll being the kind of guy who's gonna fight someone on the Raptors. <laughs> um, you know, punch no. Demar Rosen for being too ISO heavy. <laughs> I just don't get why he's so like it, it's a lot like to. You know, have the comments on the way out with the Toronto media is one thing, but uh, making the comments again on the way in with New York, it's it's it just it's a little weird. And again, going back to you know a point that I've made on other on our other podcast, uh, it's just weird that you know he he he's not a guy who talks that much, um, and talks a lot of smack. We didn't hear a lot of that with the team. And, uh, but, you know, on the way in and on the way out, he's just been uh, chatty Cathy with the media hmm. about uh, his, uh, you know, his dysfunctions and with the team. Yeah, I guess we can pivot away from Carroll a little bit. Like, do you think the Raptors are going to alter their offensive system this season? Like, do you have any, I, I honestly don't think it's all that necessary. Yes, there are issues in the playoffs, but, like, I honestly think last season it was more, first of all, Kyle Lowry getting hurt really sucked. I think they were pretty good for most of that Bucks series. And I think a lot of it was role guys not really stepping up and not being able to play at all to, to par when the Raptors needed them in, in certain situations. Like, I don't think De, like DeRozan had some bad games, of course, and so did Lowry, but I do think for the most part they were pretty good. And I don't know, like, I, I f- everyone wants to be this perfect offensive team, and everyone wants to be the Warriors and the, 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 the 13 Spurs or the 14 Spurs, and it's just like... It's not attainable for every team, man. Like, yes, the Raptors have a flawed roster. They're kind of missing some three and fours, and they have some weird size disparities in their front court and their back court. And like, they're not assembled like you would want a super duper modernized NBA team to be. But it doesn't mean they can't be really good. Like, 
I, I don't know. I, the whole thing with the, like, the ball movement stuff, this has always been kind of a bugaboo for me because I just think the Raptors right now, as currently designed, are kind of hitting their peak, and it's because they run this offensive system, and I'm not sure like asking DeMar DeRozan to incorporate more cutting into his game is going to you know help that or boost up the offense, but boost up the offense at all in the regular season or the playoffs. I think it'll be incremental, and I'm sure that they're – the coaching staff is working in the offseason on, you know, new plays and stuff like that. And uh, I'm sure there'll be, you know, more small lineups, more experimentation with uh, the young guys who generally move a little bit better than Jonas Valanciunas. I think there's just generally going to be less minutes for him. Yeah. Uh, but I think anytime you have DeMar DeRozan out there, uh, he's not going to change that much or that dramatically. Even if there's some sort of reset, I don't think you can reset DeMar DeRozan and how he plays. And there's just going to be a lot of plays a game, and he's gotten a lot better at, you know, being defin- definitive when he gets the ball, mm-hmm. uh, making his move and doing it, you know, six to eight seconds on the shot clock. But it's still he's still a guy where you get it to him and then wait for him to make a play. Uh, I just don't think that's going to change that much, but I'm sure it's going to be incremental with lineup changes and play calls and all that stuff. Uh, it's just hard to see it change dramatically with the same you know, more or less the same core. Yeah, I think the fundamental sort of basis of the offense is going to be the same. But I do agree. I think there will be some more sort of attempts to incorporate. I don't even know, like, the ball movement stuff is so tr- tricky because you need guys who can pass at every position, and the Raptors just don't have that. So I don't know what you're trying to do. I mean, maybe Yakapurtle and Bebe Noguera and Pascal Siakam are better passers than we're giving them credit for. And actually, I think Pirtle's really good, and Bebe obviously is pretty good. But I'm not sure how much Bebe is going to play. But, like, Serge Ibaka, not a very good passer. You know, Jonas Valanciunas, not at all a good passer. Like, CJ Miles, I'm not, we haven't really seen him yet. Uh, and how he's going to play there is, like, the third ball handler on the floor and, and probably the starting five. Um, so it's hard to say. But, like, you have to have the personnel to be able to run a certain system. And, like, again, it harkens back to the Raptors have designed the system that fits what their best players do really well. And maybe that leads to issues with, you know, quote-unquote trust when it comes to other players. But it's a two-way street, I think. And other players have to not suck like they did in the playoffs. Like Patrick Patterson, you know, traveling on wide-open threes, that you're just, just not going to cut it. You know, P.J. Tucker was pretty good, but whenever he tried to put the ball on the floor, it was a disaster. Same with Tamari Carroll. Serge Ibaka couldn't pass, really, aside from one game where he had six assists somehow. Um, that's just... Uh, I think the Raptors are stuck with what they have, and maybe people will look at that and say, oh, that's why you blow it up, because they're stuck with this team that... You know, can't be this you know sophisticated offense, but like we've talked about a million times on this show and, and on the HQ podcast, like being less than perfect is still fine and still good and still something to be desired, and that's kind of where I'm at with this Raptors team. And my God, it's going to be three more months of debating what how, how this team's going to play, and I'm already sick of it. Yeah, I I agree. It's going to be a long <laughs> it's going to be a long road to the season. We don't know what it's going to look like, but I think ultimately. Um, We've been here before with yeah. this team, ultimately. I think you bring in new assistant coaches last year. Um, you, you know, it's just incremental stuff. As long as it's Dwayne Casey, as long as it's Kyle Lowry, as long as it's DeMar DeRozan, I think it's just generally going to be the same kind of basketball. And I, I think that that's not a bad thing, necessarily. Yeah. I have a theory that this coming season is going to be the most enjoyable season we've had in the post-Rudy Gay trade era. Like, 13-14, it's going to be tough to match that, but I do think this team has a shot to do it because, like, they're legitimately good and have the chance to be legitimately good. Like, I still think they're probably the second team that you'd expect. Like, I think it's Boston probably the favorite to get to the Eastern Conference Finals against Cleveland, but I think the Raptors are right there as the, as the third-best team in the East. And, you know, there's the upside there with all these young guys probably getting a bunch of minutes to maybe be better than that. 
And I do. I just think young guys doing stuff is fun. There's no threat of a, of a star leaving at the end of the year. There's no sort of you know expectation ha- hanging over this season like it was last year. Like it feels like people are prepared for like a lesser version of what last year's Raptors were. And I do think they have a chance to be even better than what they were last year if things break right. And I just think young guys doing stuff is fun. Not having to worry about ex- expectations or stars leaving is going to be fun. And I, I really do think this season is going to be kind of a throwback because the last couple, I mean, 2015-16 was great because it was kind of unexpected that they were going to win 56 games. But last year was miserable for most of the year because there was such a cloud hanging over the team with Lowry and the expectations of trying to win and you know just and the injuries that took place. I feel like this season is going to be a nice sort of reversion back to just being an enjoyable, fun Raptors team that people can get behind. Yeah, I mean, one can hope uh, there's less, yeah, just less expectations. So, you know, they can go in kind of with a clean slate. Hopefully the injury bug doesn't strike again, but that that's always a threat. Um, that's really what kind of derailed, you know, as an avalanche effect last season. You, you know, you had the Lowry injury. You know, DeMar DeRozan was out for a while. Um that Patterson was injury just, was horrible, man. Yeah, at the same time. And yeah. the, he, they both came kind of after the team was playing against the best basketball around Christmas break. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just kind of avalanched a little bit. And, you know, it didn't seem like the team was that uh, connected, you know, through March and April. Uh, they brought in new faces, and there was a lot of, you know, yelling and <laughs> name-calling, and that's just how P.J. Tucker is, but uh, there just seemed to, the team just seemed to lack, like, a fire under its ass for, you know, about a month there before the end of the season, and then in the playoffs, uh, you know, they turn it on against Milwaukee and then get a swept by Cleveland, so it's it's disappointing, but I think that you can go into this season without the expectation of, you know, beating the Cavs, and whatever happens this gravy, you get to see the young guys play, so yeah, it should be good. I have a theory, and this isn't based on reporting or anything, just kind of like a gut feel. I think the locker room's going to be happier without P.J. Tucker around, and that's probably a hot take, and I'm sure fans are going to miss him, but like, I don't know. I, I could understand why he might ruffle some feathers, especially the star players, like coming in and being as vocal as he was about the team. I can see why that might piss people off and, and maybe sort of create some dissension among the ranks. Like, I don't know. I, I have a theory that like it's probably going to be okay not having PJ Tucker around. But again, that's probably going to get me shot on Raptors Twitter. So maybe I should. Yeah, that out. He, he seemed to coalesce pretty well with the team, but I imagine that shtick would kind of wear off after a while. And maybe it, maybe it didn't that season. But you know, you bring him back, and you just never know. Yeah. You know, having a guy there who is always on you, even in the months of November, December, it would have been. It would have been interesting to see. Yeah, and a guy coming from Phoenix, like, always just sort of being the the most vocal guy in the room and, like, no one being able to really challenge him. And coming to Toronto where it's been Lowry and DeRozan's team forever, like, yes, there were some positives. Like, yes, he got under DeRozan's ass a little bit and tried to tell him how to play defense. And, like, I, I, there were mixed results there, I suppose. But uh, I could see, I just have a theory that maybe that didn't rub everyone the right way. But that's just me. Um I don't know, man. We are now three months away from basketball, and like the, the feels like the Raptors are probably done at this point. Introduced CJ Miles yesterday. Uh, nothing really interesting from that aside from Masai Ujiri's comments. I don't know. How are you gonna like kill these next three months? It feels like a long time away. Uh, well, it happens at a good time of year, so I can you know watch old games when I'm watching TV and watch TV shows, and just kind of avoid the whole scene i guess do as much as i possibly can 
Well, look at you. I still have I still, I still on Twitter way too much, and every time I do, I feel like it kills my brain cells. Mm-hmm. Look at you, nice balanced person with no other with other interests to keep you occupied in the off season. I nice. yeah, it's overplayed. Like I'm still on Twitter a lot, and yeah. I've got my Raptors writers feed, and every time I look at it, I'm like, oh my god, what do <laughs> we do? I mean, you have like an actual job that you know requires your attention, I suppose. Like. Yeah, that's true. My side job is stupid and not at all mind. I don't know. It's mind numbing, I suppose. And then like I come home and it's like, oh, I guess I should write about the Raptors or do a podcast or a Facebook Live or something. But when there's nothing to talk about, that becomes harder. So yeah, I don't know. I'm excited Maybe I should try to branch out into covering more sports. That would probably be a good <laughs> idea for me. I tried, you know, doing the whole NBA thing with press this year, and uh, there were some like successes, but it's hard to. It's hard to take that next step, I feel like. It's really, it's fun to follow one team and really get involved with one team. Yeah. And uh, I'm reverting back to that a little bit because it's so hard to take that next step and just, like, have to care about everything. Like, I don't love Russell Westbrook as much as everybody else. (laughs) I don't, you know, there's just, like, there's only so much MVP debate I can have. Oh, God. Yeah, I think that that turned me away pretty bad this year, too. That was rough. Um, Yeah, so it's hard, it's hard to watch and i like i kind of like how zach Lowe does it when he talks about it you know yeah. you pick one game a night that seems intriguing you watch it and just go with that yeah maybe that's uh maybe that's the way to do it maybe i'll start doing that with al central baseball or something like that no oh, baseball. Do that. oh my god <laughs> <laughs> actually i'm pretty excited i'm gonna start like uh i'm hopefully gonna do some work ahead of the olympics i want to do some profiles and stuff on people if i can get if people want to talk to me i, I want to cover the olympics because the olympics are really fun they are first blog i ever did was an olympic blog during uh, sochi it was uh it was a really good time we stayed up <laughs> we didn't go to class for like two weeks straight like five of us like were a staff from this crappy blogspot blog or wordpress blog whatever the hell it was and we just wrote blogs about the the, the olympics for the entire two weeks not doing anything else it was great yeah. yeah, there's no shortage of, like, personalities and stuff. That's what's on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, I guess that's it, man. Like, we've, we've tried to fill some time here, but there's just nothing to talk about. So uh, until something does come up, uh, where can people check out your work, man? Well, I am on Raptors HQ at some point. Again, it's pretty dead right now. So <laughs> uh, you can check me out there if you like. And uh, that's about it for now. Cool. Um, and will you actually, so the Raptors HQ podcast, the headquarters, uh, I'm not going to do one this week because, as we've talked about, there's nothing to talk about. Uh, but next week, or whenever Russell Peddle gets back from his uh, excursion in Newfoundland, we are going to go over our prop bets that we made before the uh, the Raptors season, and it's going to be a disaster. So make sure you tune in for that, probably in a week or two's time. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be just a disaster, I think. I was going through them, John, and they are not pretty. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, I guess that's going to do it. John, thanks for coming on, man. We'll uh, hopefully catch up soon. Hopefully it doesn't take 178 episodes to get you on a second time. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. Cheers. <laughs>